Welcome to Just in the Nick of Time, where we don't really care about your auditory experience. <laughs> My life's work is all eight of our listeners, Justin. Yes. This is like, this podcast is just a speed run to see how fast we can reach like zero monthly listeners. This is either the last episode of 2020 or the first episode of 2021, depending on when I get this up. So I feel like we're going to talk about like games that are going to happen tomorrow. The, the only college football game I care about for the rest of the season is tomorrow. And that is 11 a.m. Peach Bowl, Cincinnati versus Georgia. Claim the title if you win Cincinnati. That's, that's all I care about now. Like the, the playoff, we all know it's going to be Clemson-Bama version 20,000 at this point. Yep. This, is, this is our one chance for a unique champion this year or for at least me to hold on to something from this college football season. Because cause right Justin now... Ohio State might be good. A, Ohio State's literally never beat Clemson, like, in school history. In program history? Yes. Oh, man. I don't know so, if that makes me sad. <laughs> I hate both of those teams so much. I know. I there there used to be a point where I would uh root for teams in the college football playoff, but like I, I think that shark has jumped. Has been jumped, rather. I'm like, getting I'm going to watch Notre Dame get kicked tomorrow and be sad. Yeah. If they're gonna need like twenty two Rudy Rugers to make tomorrow work. That's not even counting the Rudy's they need on special teams. God. Well, I believe our first block is that sure was a football season. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that's sort of the point I was getting at where, uh, yeah, I haven't really paid much, didn't really pay much attention to college football this year outside of, outside of Nebraska. So do I have You'll really... Because I will defend not paying attention to any college football this year. College football, like, it feels like it's normally an institution. You know, like, something that, that demands it be taken seriously. And this year it lost any semblance of that power it still had over people, I think. And there was no, even for people who consider themselves sports fans or college football fans, there was no shame in not watching games this year. Because so many of them were god-awful crapshoots that weren't worth your time. And, like, the fact, I think, I'm sure we'll get into this a little more later, but I think the fact that the teams I got most excited about this year were not your Bamas and your Clemsons, and, like, I, I didn't care about any conference championship you know, with maybe the exception of I would have liked to see Northwestern beat Ohio State just because I'm mad at the Big Ten, but I didn't really care. Like, I was much more excited. The, the game I got most excited about was Mormons versus Mullets. And it delivered, right? That is the game. That is the college football game of the year. But I think that the NCAA needs to step back and say, oh, crap. 
people got really excited to watch Rednecks play Cultists. And that was the only game people wanted this year. Yes, that and the Cleat Yeet are like the two <laughs> memories I will have of this football season. And the Cleat Yeet wasn't even really in a good game. It was. Like, I didn't watch the whole thing. I tuned in like two minutes before the Cleat Yeet. So everything I oh, saw was so really good. I always be I will always be one of the people who had to watch the Cleat Yeet on repeat later. So it was tragic. But um yeah, okay. The Cleat Yeet was worth... I'm trying to figure if there are any games we were really missing that were, like, spectacular. Or interesting in some way. Or just any moments that you feel like you'll remember. <laughs> yeah, I love how that's the bar. Like, I started at spectacular, and then <laughs> immediately moved to significant for any reason. Oh, uh, Indiana over Penn State. That was a fun one. Before- that was a fun one. We realized Until we that realized result. it, it yep. wasn't a fun one at all. Like it was totally predictable. <laughs> if you if you would have known how Penn State was going to play their next three games, you would have been and and also Indiana. Um. Yeah, looking back yeah, looking, on it, it should have never been that close. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I think that was my greatest joy of the college football year, other than like watching a lot of. I think the, the two things I enjoyed most were watching teams that are, have not been historically good be, be pretty interesting and fun and dynamic, even if we knew they were never going to get the run they deserved at a title because of the way it works. Um, but I also, I think on the flip side of that, the only other joy I gleaned from this college football season was watching teams who are historically good be really bad. Like, watching Penn State suck as much or more than we did. Watching Michigan suck as much or more than we did. That was a real fun fun aspect to this season, I think. And um, as much as I like this LSU team, watching a team rocket back into obscurity, like, and still have a couple games where they were, were, were somewhat dynamic and interesting. I think, you know, that was that was fun. Like, I guess the only thing I liked about this year was chaos, if I have to sum it up in a word, which is always – it's something I think you take as a given in college football. Um, but the fact that that's all I can think of from this year as the fun bit was just, like, not knowing what was going to happen. Because this year, like, the pomp and circumstance felt silly. I felt less connected to the college football ecosystem as a whole because I wasn't going to games. I think that's probably true for a lot of fans, even if they're the kind of fan that only makes it to one game a year. And it's like Huskers at, or, you know, McNeese State comes to town and we kick the crap out of them. That helps them feel connected, not just to college football, but I think to, no, I mean, not just to the Huskers, but to all of college football. And I think people are probably struggling with that. Um... I don't know, Justin, is, is there anything I'm missing about this season writ large? Honestly, probably not. Like, yeah, you of, of all the sports that have come back so far, college football has felt like the most 
unlike itself, I think, solely because right. you you lose so much without the fans there. With mm-hmm. an empty Memorial Stadium is just nothing. Like it sure it's a Husker home game, but it doesn't even have like half the feel of what a typical one would feel like with a packed stadium. And even, even when you're not there. Yeah. Even when you're watching it on TV, it's useless. Ben Sass needs to be in those stands hawking runzas and being yelled at about campaign finance violations for it. Or, or it doesn't count. It's not Nebraskan enough. And, you know, I think, yeah, just personally, that really took me out of the year. And I think I would be really interesting to, interested to see what percentage of college football fans, people who self-describe as college football fans across the country, attend at least one game, be it at their local school or their alma mater, uh, in a year? Because I think that's such a driver of college football. You know, I, I know people who are, like, I think this is especially true in Nebraska, where people are just like, well, here are all of the pro teams in the leagues that I care about that are geographically closest to me. And so I shall be a Royals and Chiefs and, God, I guess, Nuggets. And It's yeah, like, Nuggets or Thunder. There's really no good choices. I, I feel like there are a lot of Thunder fans around here, but I also think that was just because they got kind of good when we were coming up, like in getting into the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got your – there are also the people who just pick all of the KC teams or all of the Denver teams. And that, that's never been my thing. But I think what's cool about college football is it's so localized to people, right? And I think this is even more true in college basketball. The fact that Lincoln and Omaha have different college basketball teams. Dude, Lincoln and Omaha aren't big enough to warrant having different anything. Sometimes it's remarkable to me we have different water systems and mayors. Like, uh, and yet at the end of the day, that localism is what makes college sports fun. And that felt totally lost this year. I recognized that, like, the Nebraska Huskers were my team. I was upset with their losses. I was happy with their wins. But it affected me much less personally than I think it does in most years. And, and like, I've, I've been – the last couple of weeks on the podcast, I've been talking about how caring about this has lost a lot of steam for me. And I, I feel like – I don't want to speak for you, Justin, but I feel like I felt that from you too. Yeah, just – it was still appointment television when the Huskers were on, but even though we finished three and five, I was able to forget about this season rather quickly rather than, like, dwell constantly – on oh if just this changed we could have had a better year it's like you know the fact that this year at college football at all seemed to not matter made caring about only one thing in that season you know feel kind of stupid at points like if this season's all just a wash everywhere else in college football for me it's easier for me to think less about a very very underwhelming Husker football team that right also a big part of that is there's always the uh if you like win the last game the season feels a whole lot better 
like no matter what came before it. You saw that in Mike Riley's first year when we won the yeah. Foster Farms Bowl against UCLA. And Remember just, games? Yeah, that we could have had this year, but again, yeah, the Nebraska okay. football team decided not to play a bowl game. Like, I, they decided to not give the fans another chance to watch the team, and I was very okay with that. I was thrilled. Like, honestly, I was relieved when I learned we weren't playing another football game because it would have been appointment television because it's a bowl game. You don't skip a bowl game, but I would not have wanted to watch that bowl game in a million years. And so, like, I was happy to see that the administration was not so obsessed with playing football this year that they would have a game even though – it wasn't really worth it. I saw fans upset about it, which was disappointing to me because I think it's a blatant misread of the situation. These players, you know, haven't seen their families in months and months. Um, and for, forcing them to do that has been really difficult. And obviously that's a decision they make. But if you have the opportunity to let them off the hook a couple weeks early, that's great. And also you got to think like, I understand people saying this team needed more practices, right? I'm not going to say that they didn't. I'm not going to defend these athletes' performance this year, but I'm going to say that I think one (laughs) classic good week of practice and one totally meaningless game about one of the worst Power 5 teams playing one of the worst Power 5 teams, you know, would that have been program-changing? Because it wouldn't have been a full bowl season of practices. No, yeah. It would have been like a few days. Yeah, the the turnaround from end of season to bowl season was shorter than it's ever been. So with the type of bowl we would have likely made had we accepted an invitation, we're talking maybe four or five extra practices, pretty much all of which are opponent prep. It's It will basically just be another normal week, and that's not what bowl season is in a normal year where you have a whole month of practice that you use to iron out all the kinks, not just, hey, we need to beat Wake Forest. How do we do that? Let's watch film of Wake Forest. Here's the other thing. I like Wake Forest. Uh, as do I. And, and, and honestly, probably have more positive feelings towards that football program than I do our own at this point because I am so frustrated at this mess of a year. And I might have sat back and said, you know what? I really don't care who wins this game. As much as I want the Huskers to win a bowl game, I'd like Wake Forest to win one, too. The possessed preachers. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We've talked about the Washburn mascot on this podcast, right? The fighting Ichabods, or whatever the hell they are. Potentially? You know know Washburn... University of Kansas, right? The Ichabods. I've is, their logo is like a dude with the top hat, right? Yeah, yeah. Dude yeah. with the top hat. They have a statue of that man sitting out front of their like arts and humanities building. That is the most terrifying thing I have seen in my damn days on this earth. I looked into its eyes and it looked into my soul, Justin. It was just like I was rushing from one debate round to another, and I stopped dead in my tracks and just stared at it for a moment. I locked eyes with this cold, and it had snowed, so there was like this thin layer of snow on the brim of his top hat, 
Uh, and it was just the spookiest damn thing. And I just had to kind of go, Oof, okay. What would you rather not find in your closet at night? That statue or Purdue Pete? Oh, Purdue Pete. <laughs> God. That Purdue Pete. I think if I saw Purdue Pete in person, I would actually just cry like a child. I think I would just begin to sob and fall to the ground. Because Purdue Pete... He's just not natural. Like, she's not okay that a thing looks like Purdue Pete does. Other weird men. I mean, Little Red's pretty jacked up. Yeah. Also, Kirby Husker with his hat off is nightmare fuel. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, Kirby Husker with the hat, you know, there's, there's that, like, general degree of friendliness there. You know, it's like, hey, I'm a big anthropomorphized farmer boy. I'm Nebraska in a costume and then but when he loses the hat he looks too much like like a real person like an actual person like i would know that it just becomes like weird yeah yeah herbie husker has the most wicked hat hair ever because he never takes that hat off and it's just (laughs) i remember he walked up to the student section one game and took his hat off and people just screamed at him put the hat back on because <laughs> it's so unsettling to look at um other i'm trying to think i feel like sparty looks a little weird he does look a little weird but like i don't think he's like scarring you weird like you know what the worst one would be um, the, the, the worst thing to find in your closet in the middle of the night would be the Western Kentucky. Big Red. Hamburger. Yeah, Big Red, the hamburger hell, or the, the, the hamburger purple. It looks exactly like if you just took the purple, what, what's it called? Grimace. Grimace, yeah. If you took Grimace and just made him red, that's what the hilltopper looks like. I feel like the Hilltopper – so when, when you talk about, like, mascots of this ilk, you got to talk about Gritty. Yes. Right? Because Gritty has reached, like, the Maryland point of being, of being ugly where Gritty's cool again. And I feel like, like Big Red, as he is called, is almost there, but just doesn't quite seal the deal. Yeah. Big Red's been an absolute legend amongst – college football fans who know enough about college football to know who Big Red is for, like, a while. But when Gritty came, like, in the building... as Gritty took America by storm. Yes. The fact that a mascot of a major pro sports franchise in America, like the Philadelphia Flyers, are on the short list of hockey franchises people recognize. Who are we really calling the Philly Flyers... Major, okay. Well, condescending Bruins fan here. <laughs> if they weren't on people's people's radars before, they are now because of gritty. Because Listen, I'm just, like eighty percent certain they're not part of the first six, and we make a big deal about being part of the first six. Original, so, well, they seem old. Philadelphia is an old place. N- no, because the original six is us. I want to say Montreal. Buffalo, 
Nope. No? It's the Habs, the Maple Leafs, Bruins, Canadians, Red Wings, Blackhawks, and Rangers. Yeah, but notice who's not on that list. Philly? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, this goes to show how piss poor this college football season is. We got more interested in mascots and hockey. And we now have, I think, seven minutes left, six minutes left to devote to the topic of football. All right. Uh, Rutgers happened. Uh, that game, there are certainly better ways to end the season on. There are certainly worse ways to end the season on. But if, like, the last memory of watching this Nebraska football team is, you know, us finally learning how to make halftime adjustments and looking like the clear and obvious better team on the field, even if the score didn't quite reflect just how big the disparity between how good we were and how bad we, they were was because of all the dumb turnover, turnovers in the first half. But like, if that game's extended another 10 minutes for whatever reason, we score at least two more touchdowns just the way that offense was moving the ball, just running sure. that Rutgers had no answer for. And I get that it's a moot point because the game's as long as the game is. But at the end of the day, that's something you could feel happy about was for one half of football against, at, if not the worst, at least the second to worst or team we've played all season, the team finally looking like it, it's doing what it should be doing, even if it spent half the game not doing that, it's grasping so, at straws, but you have to take what you can get. I, I reject that you have to take what you can get. I reject that you have to leave this season with a positive taste in your mouth. Like, if what we're saying is that our, like, handicap of points we give away over talent deficit has moved from, like, we're going to piss away 21 points to we're going to piss away 14 over the course of you know, eight was supposed to be nine games. Like, sure. Weird year, weird season. I understand thinking about taking what you can get and running with it. And that's exactly what this coaching staff is going to want you to do. Right? It'd be like, well, it was a strange year. You know, they're going to be talking about that well in the next year. But I think one of the pivotal things for this program um, for, for fans who do obviously shape the conversation about keeping or losing coaches and for the, the higher-ups who make those decisions, is how do you evaluate this year? And I think saying, well, look at only the positives and not the negatives, like, that's pretty silly to me. You either have to treat it as a wash or you have to evaluate both the good and the bad things that happen. And I, I think it's been interesting to hear people talk about how COVID seasons in different sports should be evaluated I've been in the camp that success should be doubly rewarded and failure should be seen as, like, you know. So, Liverpool won. At the beginning of this year, Liverpool won. Everyone said, well, it's a COVID season. They deserve an asterisk. And I said, no, they absolutely don't deserve an asterisk. They just won by, you know, almost more points than anyone has ever won by before in one of the weirdest seasons ever. Give me a break. And then I had to watch this god-awful Red Sox team all year. 
Um, and they said, listen, don't evaluate this season. We're throwing it away. I said, well, it's still disappointing to me that my program's throwing a, throwing a season away. And so I think with the Huskers, I have to sit back and say, well, that sucked. There's, there's no moving forward from this, like, as, as much as I want to be the, like, there's, there's one particular guy who Justin and I both know who goes, goes on the interwebs and, and is nothing but sunshine and roses even after a terrible loss. And as much as I want to be him right now, as much as I want to be name redacted, uh, I don't think that makes any sense. It feels like a dumb way to look at this season. And if you're going to call yourself someone who, like, watches sports and cares about them and tries to understand them, and then moving forward and saying, like, well, shucks. I get that's a quintessentially Midwestern thing to do. I also think it's a bad way to evaluate a football program. There's this uh, stat that I saw that I think kind of sums up the season perfectly, and I would be remiss if I didn't share it on the prod. Uh, if Nebraska scored a combined 24 more points, a touchdown plus two-point conversion, at, at least won a game against Iowa, Northwestern, and Minnesota were in Indianapolis playing for the Big Ten title. However, if Rutgers, Penn State, and Purdue scored a combined 23 more points in their games against us, we go winless. So, so we're equally close, almost, to being where we want to be, which is top of the division, <laughs> and literal rock, like, can't get worse rock bottom. <laughs> um so if we were in the big 12 right now this would be a different story right like i i i would i would take that stat more seriously but we now play football in the big 10 where when somebody wins by seven points they say wow that was a blowout it didn't come down to a field goal like I, I get your point. I like that statistic. I think it's valid. I also think when you play in the conference that we do, it's a, it's a grain of salt kind of thing. Does that make sense? A little bit, but as far as like traditional Big Ten games, like scoring-wise, I feel like we didn't really have as many of those this year as we typically got. That's reasonable. Right. Like, now that you mention it, is, is, it is weird that the Iowa and Northwestern games did not come down to a field goal like they normally do. So, mm -hmm. I would say, like, the other thing is I'm kind of happy to Pepsi challenge that and be like, okay, well, which one feels – after the season you just watch, which one feels more likely? That we go winless next year, that we win the division. And I have to say, I think it's winlessness. Now, granted, I am the resident grouch here, and I have taken up that mantle pretty enthusiastically this year. But, like, geez, a world in which we lose all three games. Because we – there was never – I mean, Penn State, I didn't feel comfortable against at any point. 
I mean, maybe maybe Rutgers towards the end, you're right. I felt like we could really cruise. But the fact that we had one moment in an entire year of football. Now, granted, like, that's, that's the other thing. It's difficult to evaluate the record this year because you sit back and you say, well, okay, if we had played three non-conference games, we probably would have won two of them. Uh, thank God we ducked Cincinnati. But, like, imagine, imagine it's not a Cincinnati team. In a year where we win all three of our non-conference games. Well, nifty, you know. That's that's six and six, mm-hmm. um, which which would have been uh, in, enough of an improvement for me to say, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, it might not be where we want to be, but like, it might not be like as far on the right side of the tracks as we want to be. But at least the consensus would be that we have found ourselves on the right side of the tracks. Whereas after this season, again, I'm, I'm not like all the way on the wrong side, but I do think the train is veering further that direction. And the, the turn it around, the positives of the program, the, the road to getting to where we want to be is further away than I think it was at the start of the year. Because as weird as this year is, I'm not giving the coaching staff a pass for this year at all, but I do think that that's what you do. But I do think that next season will determine rather this season was a fluke or not. Basically, I think not just for Nebraska, but for all of college football. If Coastal, let's say Coastal Carolina goes like six and six next year, you know they're. Their ranking of a tw- of twelfth in the college football playoff poll is going to look a bit high, if not you know, if not completely justified. Whereas I was ranting about that earlier, you know this. Well, or or like if I, Indiana sucks <clears throat> again next year, it's going to be embarrassing that Ohio State let them get that close. You know, right? Well, not to not to be a nerd, but that is kind of what we do on this podcast. I mean, I guess what you would expect in any forecast here, like just a good rule of thumb, is like some level of mean reversion where instead of going six and six, Costa Carolina goes eight and three. And instead of being an almost nine Indiana in a nine game season, Indiana ends up being regular nine Indiana in a 12 game season right like and so I guess okay I think if we think we fluked downward you know that that we were a better team than the results showed this year which which I don't think is the case at all but let's let's live in this little hypothetical world for a second I guess you expect us to revert back to a, a true six and six or a seven and five Yes, which, you know, as unattractive as those records seem, as much as that's not where we'd hope we we would be in year four of Scott Frost, I would absolutely take that next season in a heartbeat. I would, I would, I would take a six and six, 
I would be happy about a seven and five and I would just about kill for an eight and four. Yeah. But I'm not going to take a five and seven again. I'm, I'm definitely not going to take a four win season, especially when we're going to sit back and say, okay, well, you asked us to treat this year. This year is better because you would have had two formality wins at the beginning of the season which also this program has shown fairly consistently over the last few years are not wins we can just take in the bag anymore, you know? And so, and that, that's the other thing, Oklahoma who just thrashed a Florida team who of course decided not to care after the game about the game. Um, you know, Oklahoma is on our schedule for the next yeah. two years at home and away, which is terrifying. Um, Not to mention a Buffalo team that had a, has a running back in Jerome Patterson who ran for 430 yards in the game this season. So he'll be fun. Ah, oh God, I just want us to be decent again, especially for our senior year. Yes. I just want to watch the team again. I mean, I just, yeah, I, I want to not dread Saturdays. Yeah. I want to be in the stadium, like, outside the press box this year. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do the trifecta again. Yes. Uh, it, it, it hasn't been a complete Husker football season until you've had a slice of Bell's Pizza uh, a hot dog from the stadium and a Renza. Or Der, Der Wienerschlinger. Ideally, yeah, ideally you caught the hot dog from Der Wienerschlinger and you bought the Renza from Ben Sass, but those are just bonus points. And one, one last thing I thought it would be uh, fun to do is we had our predictions episode oh God. earlier in the year and we had some... Uh, college football and Nebraska football predictions. We have some other predictions here if you'd want to, I guess, revisit those now at the end of the year. But uh, you know what? I think maybe if we, if we punt on doing a, an F1 wrap-up and a uh, NBA, preview. NBA preview until next week, because frankly, the NBA is still not going to matter until June. Yeah, the, the NBA is, is still figuring itself out at the moment. The, the, the current leaders of the conferences uh, are the Orlando Magic and the Sacramento Kings. So, uh, what, what, what I wouldn't give to have it finished that way. <laughs> I know. Um, if the but, season but, ended right now, the Knicks would be one game out of the playoffs. <laughs> yo, that would nothing – I, I – I want to be a Knicks fan again. Harden to the Knicks. Oh, God, I would love that. Like, the James Harden saga is obviously going to end with him somewhere that's not Houston. But, like, I really don't want another super team as much as I would love the Nets. I, to want, a, I want a super team in Brooklyn. I'm so ready to be a Nets fan. But and imagine I'm, if you went I'm to the Knicks to where you could get too. all the shots. Listen, I... I have decided the way to be a basketball fan is just to follow the players you like wherever they go. Um, 
and and to not take the Justin approach. And so I am I am going to become a fan of whatever team James Harden ends up at. And I just want the Rockets to stop being like. I think I would have fairly fond memories of being a Rockets fan for a whole year if they would stop being jerks. But at this point, I want this team to be bad once he leaves. Because I'm, like, I think especially in the NBA, when your players want to leave, you have to let them leave. Because trying to force people to stay there is just going to be miserable for everyone. Not to mention James Harden going out of his way to be unemployable during the pandemic. Like, yeah, to but like making Houston not want to keep him, but still not doing enough that other teams will overlook it and be like, well, he was acting up in Houston. Yeah. Like, I think the thing that concerns me is the fact that he's out of shape. But he's still um, putting up numbers, though. Like, that's the I, yeah, crazy thing. Harden, like, but what that, that makes me – if he's going to turn into one of those players that is like, I am great, but happy to just, like, sit in my greatness and let people know it and not try and chase ships anymore, which, given his experience in the NBA, is totally understandable. Yeah. Right? If he just wants to get as high as he possibly can on the career points – leaderboard before his career is up you know like that's almost understandable but I'd be really disappointed to see it happen because I think the guy he's never won a ring right no he uh made the finals in Oklahoma City but that was before he really came into his own and if the Rockets don't miss 27 three-point shots in a row against the Golden State Warriors in 2018 he makes the NBA Finals and likely coasts against a very overmatched Cavs team. I mean, I, I think he has to be in the conversation about best NBA players never to win a ring, right? Of this generation, I think, undoubtedly, he's likely the number one. Because right. he's, he's one of the greatest scorers of all time, undoubtedly. Rather, you like watching him or not. The numbers are there for great scorers. And just the way he sort of changed the math of the game in his favor every time he has the ball is something really intriguing. How he plays the game the way he wants to. It makes everybody else adjust to it. Where foul lines, like where he gets to the free throw line, more efficient than darn near anybody I've ever seen. It's like, it has its haters, but like, I've always really respected just his sheer commitment to playing basketball as weird as possible and as self-serving as possible. And that doesn't really mesh well with teammates. So that's, I guess, a big concern for like whoever he gets traded to. But at the end of the day, numbers just don't lie. And he has been for quite some time now a truly unprecedented player who hasn't really gotten the flowers he deserves yet. And Right. Yeah, and I think that's as as someone who even before I was an NBA fan, I was like, yo, James Harden, he's a he's a cool guy. Um I I sit back and I say to myself, like, 
listen, I, I think he's ready to turn that corner. I think he's ready to say to himself, like, yo, I need to become a team player somewhere. Um, it's not going to be the most natural thing in the world for him. but And he's not going to put up the same numbers if he goes to Brooklyn, if he goes to Philly. I mean, those are kind of the top two candidates at this point of where he ended up, right? Yeah, because Miami reportedly doesn't want to give away Tyler Hero or have a package with Tyler Hero that's enticing enough for the Rockets to pull the trigger. So Miami's out of the question at this point. Any Harden doesn't want to go anywhere out west. Uh, so Which is understandable. It's basically a Brooklyn, Philly, Boston, if they throw together an, an incredible trade package, but I doubt they have the incentive I, or want to to do that. So, I thought Boston didn't have the cap space for him. Oh, yeah, that's probably true as well. They have a lot of guys on rookie deals still. Right. M- Milwaukee's so really been thrown around, but... Where? Milwaukee, if he wants to I ring chase. I don't see him going to Milwaukee. I yeah. don't see him and Giannis playing nice. Because... Wherever he goes, wherever he goes, can't be a team that's about someone else. It can be about Harden and, 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 but it can't be, he's not, he's not ready to, I think, become a Scottie Pippen to Giannis. That's just, that's not who he is, right? And that's, I think, part of the reason I like him is, like, he knows he's good enough even though he hasn't gotten those flowers he knows he's good enough not to play second fiddle and he refuses to do so um i i I could go on forever about the beautiful stoicism of james harden and like how he's helped me give a little bit of a shit about the nba because like i and and someday i will go on my like i think that's probably a next week thing we need to just have a super long hodgepodge podcast week we're just like a, like a like a several several hour year in review, like our kind of like Grateful Dead esque jam session of just like all the things we need to talk about. But I think in there is going to be like my requiem for the Rockets, um, because there wasn't a character in that whole thing that I didn't kind of like. Um, with the exception of Harden, there was no one that I was really willing to go to bat for, like against other people in conversations and on the internet. Because yeah, they were crazy. They were weirdos. Daryl Morey was on the internet yelling about China. Mike D'Antoni is literally a mad scientist. Their and, owner Tillman Fertitta is literally in debt to the mob. Yeah, yeah, it, and it was just like it was the perfect team. For a guy who doesn't like the NBA to like, to like in the NBA, especially yeah, just just the strategy of this team is going to do whatever it takes to win. Math and just all basketball logic be damned. We're right. going to throw crap out of wall and see if it sticks. And and I think part of the reason, like we've talked ad nauseum about how I don't like the NBA, and I'm slowly coming around. And realizing I don't like the current iteration of the NBA, but it's a cool league and there's good things about it, right? I think what I, what I love most about the Houston Rockets 
is they seem like the only team that doesn't like the NBA as much as I don't like the NBA. Like, I think if the Houston Rockets could pack up and move somewhere else, if you told the Houston Rockets tomorrow they could play in, like, FIBA instead, the, like, weird UEFA European EuroLeague basketball. I think if you told – I think if you told the Houston Rockets tomorrow, like, you can join La Liga, they'd be like, well, we're learning to play soccer. Uh, so, like, that, that, was, that was a fun aspect of it. Just, like, this team seems to hate where they're at in life. And, like, relatable. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I have here, unedited, since June 23rd, our predictions for sports this is all sports yes just like all of fallen sports oh god oh jesus this is gonna date when we made this instantly but our first prediction was the kbo the korean baseball organization oh my god (laughs) remember when we tried to get into that those were sad days how far we have know how that ended the, the the Dinos, who we both predicted would win the championship, won the championship, and got the coolest championship trophy in pro sports. Look it up if you, right now. Oh, oh, I have to. Okay, fine. Yes. Okay. Keep keep them rolling. All I right. Got 8% phone battery and had nine minutes left. So. All right. Uh, both of our bold predictions likely never came true. I don't think a player got hit by a bat flip like you expected, and I don't think a cardboard cutout got beheaded by a foul ball. If they this happen, is the reddest trophy ever. Is that a what? Yes, it's this a is sword. Big ass sword. Yeah, that's so rad. <laughs> oh my god, this is proof that the KBO, in fact, is not a professional sports league and is an anime, as I expected the entire time. The KBO is an anime. Beautiful one at that. So no one got hit with a bat, and what was your bold prediction? A cardboard cutout gets beheaded by a foul ball. Yeah, that would have been funny. I don't Again, think... things that passed for entertainment months ago. <laughs> Bayern won Bundesliga, right? If so, we both get those points. Uh, you mean last year? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Let me double check, but I think so. <laughs> Oh god, I'm reading the going down now. It's Yes. Hooray, we get those points. Nice. Okay. You know what? All right, 6%. Keep moving. I just I don't think any of our bold predictions anywhere came true. So I'll I'll just stick to the winners and not bother fact checking the bold predictions. Uh, cool. The PGA Championship, uh, you predicted Patrick Reed to be the winner, and I don't believe he was all that close to the top of the leaderboard. Okay. I had Jason Day, who finished top five, so that is one point for me. Neat. Good if for not, you. I was keeping track of any of this. Um, okay. F1, uh, we both predicted Mercedes. Uh, Shocking. Your prediction of the driver's champ not being from the constructor's champion, not quite. Oh, I wish. I wish. 
It, that would it have had a bad. better chance of happening this year. Considering that was my bold know. prediction, right? That it was a bold prediction. That was, Hamilton got COVID earlier this year than any other year. Yes. In mine of someone literally straight up loses a car. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a good prediction. <laughs> And depending on how you interpret what happened to Grosjean, I mean, they certainly lost the car. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> no, I, I refuse. Did NHL. we just predict winners, or did we predict... Next year, we should do top three in... Yes. Because I think my top three might have only been off by one. I think I would have said Mercedes, Ferrari... McLaren instead of Mercedes um, Red Bull McLaren. Oh, God, yeah. Ferrari this year. <laughs> we'll get there next week. <laughs> NHL, a sport we both know nothing about. You predicted the Bruins, who did not win. But, mm-hmm. but I, total shot in the dark, predicted the Tampa Bay Lightning, who did, in fact, hoist the Stanley Cup. That's insane to me. boy. <laughs> I'm so and, proud of that. And we both kind of like the Lightning. My favorite hockey player of middle school and the hockey team I only kind of followed in the newspaper won its first Stanley Cup. How about that? Wow. Is this their first Stanley Cup ever? Second one. They won one in, like, the early aughts. Red. The NBA. Nick, you got me on this one. You had the Lakers beating the Bucks. Yeah. So not, not quite right, but you had it in six games. Lakers did win the finals in six. So that, that puts you ahead of me because of that one bonus point for the right amount of games. Oh, wait. Seriously? Yup. Nice. And uh, your prediction Is was that, that it sucks? which is very subjective. I personally didn't see it that way. Somebody might have. Everyone hated the bubble. (laughs) Even the players hated the bubble. (laughs) This is not subjective. The NBA sucked. I really love the product. Whatever. I had bucks over clippers, so... (laughs) Oof. Which, believe it or not, is not the thing that aged the worst in these predictions. Yeah, honest to God. The thing that aged the worst is the existence of the KBO. <laughs> um, is, that, is that it? That's all of our predictions? Uh, well, two more things I'll read here. The MLB, we both predicted no season at all. Oh, wow. That was bad. <laughs> That was probably the right call at the time, but that was bad. I predicted Rob Manfred would resign at the end of the year, so that that's looking further yeah. from the truth as it's ever been. Jeez. And now, now the big one, the one that inspired me to go back to this, college football. Let's, should we start with Nebraska bold prediction? Um, uh, my phone is about to die. Go fast. Your bold prediction was that we lose out after the Rutgers game. Uh, that schedule got scrapped, so your prediction is void. Fair. <laughs> My prediction, 
Omar Manning leads the team in receiving yards. I think he played like five snaps the entire season. Oh my God. Jesus. Okay. All right. And our record predictions. Did we have those? They are not applicable since we predicted oh, like yeah. the 10 game schedule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. College football as a whole. Because right now I'm only ahead by one point, right? Yes, uh, but you just got two more points because your prediction of some bowls get canceled turned out to be the case. That's not a bold prediction, but I'll take it. And my prediction of Oregon makes the playoffs. uh, Oh, oh no. Not quite. Not not quite, pal. And we we both had Ohio State versus Clemson in the – Final, so that's the semifinal game. You had Clemson winning it all. I had Ohio State, <laughs> so you're you're likely going to uh completely wipe the floor with me when it's all said and done. This Brad, we love it. The despite, non-sports despite journalists are better than right. journalism kids. Just remember this moment. Remember the day I beat Justin at his own job, people. I'd like to thank the Academy. The Korean baseball organization and Rob Bamford, who still needs to resign at the end of the year so Justin can get those points because they won't matter anyway. You have until midnight, Rob Manfred. I'm watching <laughs> Make you. Make it happen. Make it happen. Oh, God. Right. Be- <laughs> Justin, it's been a year, but doing a podcast with you makes it slightly better. Heck, yes, it did. Rad. Let's- See you later, bud. Let's never do a 2020 again. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>